Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. We've been uh, in a four-week series. This is the last of four weeks where we've been talking about choose joy. It is a part of the Christian walk. It is a virtue that every Christian is is been given as a gift to possess that we should have fullness of joy. And that doesn't mean that life's always going to be uh, merry. It doesn't mean it's always going to be cheery. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be full of good times when we choose Jesus. It just means no matter what life throws at me, I can choose a different path than the way the world chooses. For once I used to be hostage and prisoner to my circumstances, but now that I've found Jesus, I can live differently no matter matter the news can I get an amen and so um, this will be the the final week that I'm going to finish up this series but real quick let me tell you what to look forward to in the next few um, weeks and months here at Lift Church next week we intentionally left the series blank because I, I just wanted a week just to preach whatever the Holy Spirit put on my heart and so next week um, come ready I'm going to come ready I can't wait to share with you um, a message um, that's not in the series and then after that we will start two weeks from now our lift summer series and um, it's a summer lift because w- we like to have fun during the summer we want your summer to be full of a lift come on I grew up in the type of um, Christianity where going to church was begrudging and it was like oh my goodness and 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 what I love about summer lift is it, it's completely the opposite come and have some fun let's learn together let's worship together let's grow together let's get in relationships together In fact, speaking of relationships, next week is Small Group Sunday, and I really want you to find a small group. I I preached that last week. You need relationships, and you need to connect with people. Even if you do it begrudgingly, I promise by the end of the small group semester, you'll be going, do we have to stop? Come on. I'm loving these people. I'm growing with these people. I'm getting to know more and more people. And if you could testify to that, all my small group lovers, can I get a shout? Come on. Can I get a little witness? I love small groups, and um, so yeah, plenty of awesome things happening. What I'm excited about is week one of Summer Lift. We got something special we've never done before. It's battle week, and so we're going to have two preachers up here battling it out over, um, over some scriptures. It's just going to be awesome. You're gonna, if you've got fight clothes, wear your fight clothes. I don't know what that means. When I was a kid, I loved putting on ninja pajamas. Don't judge me. You probably had them too. Come on. Any ninja is awesome, right? Okay? And so I think it's a little odd if you come as a middle-aged man wearing ninja uh, pajamas. But hey, teach your own. If you want to, you can. But battle week is going to be a lot of fun. And any way that your kids want to dress up or have some fun, let them have fun coming to church. Does that sound good? All right, all right, cool. How many of y'all ready for the word? All right, all right. Can I hear that again? How many ready? Because I'm ready and I'm pumped and, and I want to share it with you. If you got your Bible, in fact, uh, you do have your Bible. You can have your Bible on that fancy phone you got. Go ahead and make sure you open up the Bible to Nehemiah chapter 8. If you brought uh, your leather bound or paperback, good luck to you in Regal Theater lighting. Come on. <laughs> One day in the near future when we get into our building, we promise to have a little bit brighter lights during the message so that you can read and highlight and underline your own 
Bible. I know some of y'all got 2020 vision, no big deal. But some of you are like, praise God for glowing screens. Because I got Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. But before I do, I think it's helpful for today's message that I set up what's going on in the scripture. One of the things that I always try to do is set up what happened before this and what might happen after it so that when I read my word, my goal is not for you to like my message. My goal is for you to fall in love with your Bible and for you to see that when I read my Bible, it can come to life and it can speak these things that Pastor Drew is sharing. And, and this is why I love to read the Bible in succinct order. I don't try to do biblical roulette. Come on, no judgment to any of y'all who go, what does God want me to read today? He wants me to read this. And then he came down with leprosy and other rare skin diseases. And you go, praise God for the word of the Lord today. (laughs) Come on. I I like reading it in order so that I understand why was that in the Bible and what relevance does it have to today. So let me set up Nehemiah chapter 8 to you. Um, The father of our faith is Abraham. And Abraham had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. Okay, and God promised Abraham a land and a people. He said, I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to give you a people. The, 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 your descendants will outnumber the stars in the heaven. And because when he finally gets to the land and, and, and he has some sons, because of a famine, they end up going to Egypt to, to um, get food. And they end up staying there and become enslaved there. And so they become enslaved there for 40 years. And then they cry out to God asking for deliverance. And God sends a hero named Moses. All right, so Moses comes along. Come on, y'all are acing the pop quiz. Okay, and listen, Moses comes along as the deliverer that God sent to to bring freedom into their lives. And Moses brought them back to their promised land through Joshua. And the people and the land were restored. And King David established a kingdom there. And Solomon built a temple there. And it was all under the premise that I, if you are obedient to God, God will bless you. If you are disobedient to God, all bets are off. Try it out on your own. Try living in this land that is cutthroat and, and every man for himself without the hand and the sovereignty of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to walk with you, but it comes conditional. If you walk with me, I will bless you if you're an obedient. If you are disobedient, all bets are off. And so they got disobedient and they wandered from the faith and they were dispersed. And the Babylonians came in and conquered the city and they divided God. God's people up again and took God's land again. Someone say, oh no, everything's in shambles again. And then Nehemiah one day is in the land of, of Persia and, and he, he has two Jewish people come to him and he inquires about God's land and God's people. And when he asked Nehemiah 1, verse 3, you're not there yet because I told you to go chapter 8. That's okay. It's on the screen. He said, they said this to Nehemiah. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. I want to point out those two words. 
great trouble. That's an external problem. They're in great trouble with their surrounding enemies and people all around them. And they are in disgrace. That's an internal problem. I can't hold my head up very high. I know we're a disobedient people. I know we are a rightfully punished people. In other words, I've got external problems and I've got internal problems. I need a lifter of my head. Praise God that God comes in as the lifter of their heads. And he says, the walls of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah gets permission to go back, and over the course of 52 days, someone say 52? Over the course of 52 days, they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and they restore the land, and then they gather all the people, and they say, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Get everybody, come here, come here, come here. Under the sound of my voice, get everybody. And this is what happens um, to restore their inner strength in Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to ask you to do something I rarely ask you to do. Would you please stand for the reading of the word? Come on, doesn't it sound better when it's like all like proper like that i love getting around people would you please stand for the reading of word come on everybody that that means if your neighbor's not up just tell them get up get up get up okay all right <laughs> all right <laughs> here's what nehemiah 8 said as um they all stood it says all the people assembled with a unified purpose hmm i wonder what that could teach us today all the people assembled with a unified purpose. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. That's the church. Come on, listen. At the square just inside the water gate, just inside the Regal Theater, just west of Salisbury Mall. Okay, I don't know. I, I don't know where it is on the map. You follow me. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. That was the Bible before they had a Bible. Come on. This is the Old Testament, which means the whole Bible hasn't been completely written. But what they do have, they began to read it out loud to them. Verse 2. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. I want to encourage you, bring your children who are old enough to understand. And why do we have a children's ministry then? Because some kids are not old enough to understand the word. And when they are not old enough to understand, they start thinking this like I did. Church is boring. <laughs> I don't really like it very much. That's why we have a children's church so that they say, I can't wait to go back to the house of God. Come on. Can we get an amen? And can we celebrate our children's workers right now? Come on. I want them to love the word of God. I want them to love God's house. Verse 3. So he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. Someone say three hours. That just gave me license to preach for three hours. Thank you very much. I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> Somebody, is he serious? No, I'm not serious. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra described, stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. This is the first pulpit. You say, I don't know if we need platforms at church. Well, Nehemiah had it, and he said, because the word should be elevated in people's lives. Come on. And so we need to elevate the word of God in our hearts. And when they saw him open the book, 
They all rose to their feet. Aren't, I, aren't you glad I asked you to stand this morning so you're not going, oh, man, I'm a slacker just sitting in my lazy boy regal theater while the word of God's being read. Listen, they all rose to their feet. And then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen, as they lifted their hands. Amen means so be it. This should be our response when we hear the word of God. So be it. In other words, bring it on. Did you know when you simply say amen, you are saying, I agree with that. Let it be done to me as well. Okay? So we say amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. In other words, they preached after reading the word to them. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what had been read, helping the people to understand each passage. That's our goal when we preach here too, that you would understand each passage. One of my greatest compliments is when people say the way that you and the other preachers that live break down the word of God, I understand it and I like getting into my word because I believe when God's lifted up, he'll do the hard work. Amen. Then the leader said to them, please make it quick so that the people can sit down. No, no. (laughs) Then the leader said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord our God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Why? Because they realized how far they had wandered from God's word. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. In other words, enjoy life. This is living now. And and, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. In other words, don't forget your neighbor. Remember other people too. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. And I read all of this to say this next point. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can we read that last part out loud together? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, as we are standing in your presence, just hearing your word, Father, we ask you to speak to us your words of life, whatever it is you want to share. Our hearts are open. Our minds are open. We want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. We didn't just come to be entertained by you, but Father, we're inviting you in. You take control. You speak to us. You reveal things to us as you always do in Jesus' name. And anyone who agrees with that, said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank y'all so much. This week four message of Choose Joy is simply entitled Reestablishing Strength. Reestablishing Strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And for many of us, if we want to get joy back, we got to get our strength back. Now, I, um, I have a bit of a way of illustrating. I have a, a very visual mind at times. It wanders a little bit. And so I'm going to invite Mackenzie up here with a camera. Everybody say, hello, Mackenzie. And, and listen, this is a little Lego project that um, me and my girls worked on. Come on, is that not amazing? Come on, you, you get that. Listen, look at that. Oh, if I turn it this way. Oh, how amazing. It's like Antique Roadshow. I can't wait to see how much this is worth. That's incredible. Look at the detail on that, Ruth. Come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
the value is just astronomical. Come on. Listen, um, we, we helped put this together, my, my girls and I did. It's the Encanto house. Come on. And so um, don't judge us. You know you want. Okay. And, and anyway, um, and so my, my little girls like putting together Legos. And as a parent, how many of y'all know, go, oh, my goodness, how much they're going to charge for these things. Okay. You know, but, but it, it occupies them for a long period of time because they love trying to build things and put things together. And it reminded me a little bit of go ahead and do a little 360 of that thing man come on they got every last detail they got the stickers in the right place look at that faucet that faucet's in the right place it's in the kitchen not in some other room like some of your kids put it in because they're just throwing it together they don't care anymore right you know they they putting pieces together you know what I'm talking about they just start shoving things in there it reminded me a little bit of Nehemiah chapter 8 when they, when they said that the, the walls of, uh, of God's people, Nehemiah said, how's God's land and how are God's people? And, and when my girls complete this, you should see their beaming smiles. I took a picture. Uh, my wife actually took a picture of one of our daughters, and I put it online as, uh, or, or on my social media as she completed it. Beaming with, with pride. Look what I put together. Look how difficult it was. I did multiple hours putting it together. The problem is, after a period of time, they leave certain things on the table, and they leave it in places they probably shouldn't leave it in. Any parents can testify. And then another kid starts getting interested in something else. And sometimes their control is not as good as they think it is. And you start going, oh, no playing with balls in the house. And they're like, chill out, Dad. I've got complete control of the ball that I got, right? And, and they just start wandering and they start throwing things all over the place. And what happens eventually is that because the toy that was neglected and they're throwing the ball over everywhere, what happens eventually... that's supposed to happen <laughs> what used to be the glory of a child the celebration of a child the strength of a child look what I put together look what I was able to do becomes desolate it becomes destroyed it becomes a little something everywhere in fact I wrote it down this way what once was protected, adored, and cared for got neglected, destroyed, and abhorred. Come on. I'm, that's how some of you feel the day after. Come on. You, you know what I'm talking about. When you, when you let your morals slip a little bit or you let your ethics or decisions slip a little bit or you let things go a little too far. And the day after, you might feel a lot like this, this building right here that once, once, what once was protected, adored, and cared for got neglected, destroyed, and abhorred. Listen, Amia, our, our second child, who led the way on this project. Don't worry, I got another one built for the second experience. <laughs> I'm going to need some volunteers who can put this back together in 15 minutes. No. Amia comes up to me and she goes, are you really going to destroy what we worked so hard for for hours? And my answer was to her, Yes, just like people destroy their lives that God created and worked so hard to create. And we never think about the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I promise you right now, if Mia was in here, there would be no joy in her heart, as she put tons of hour and effort and attention into something that just so neglectfully got destroyed 
and thrown away. For what? A moment of joy tossing a ball around. You fill in the blank on what's your ball being tossed around. Well, thank you so much. Y'all give it up for our carnage camera right here. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. I will crunch Legos for the rest of this sermon. I don't even know how I'm going to do this. I didn't think through this far. Come on. Yep, this will work. All right, I'll be standing on them. And this is what our lives become. But I met a man who I didn't know who came and he saved my soul and he put my feet back on solid ground. Okay, anyway, I, we're, we're done with that song. You know what I'm talking about. We're done with that song. Let me just get back to preaching that the good news is God promised to rebuild the walls to a repentant people. He said, if you repent, I will restore your honor and your joy, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus extended that promise to you and I too. Let me preach a message that might not be too popular, but I believe it is necessary in order for us to realize where joy comes from. And that is this. As I break down the scripture, I've learned this, that purity leads to blessing. And blessing leads to joy, and joy leads to strength. I want to say it again. Purity leads to blessing. When I keep my purity, when I walk in purity, I've got the blessing of God on my life. And blessing brings the ultimate joy because and in the end, he always wins. Come on. And so I can walk with a peace that surpasses all understanding and I can keep my joy. And joy leads to strength. So how do I get my joy back? By getting your strength and glory back, which begins with purity. We need to get the house built back so that we walk with our shoulders back and go, you see that house? You see what God built? He built it once. I destroyed it once. Oh, but God is a restorer of anyone who's repentant. And he builds it back. Come on, y'all give glory to God real quick. So two ways to reestablish joy and strength, okay? And in each way, I'm going to give you three practical things you can do. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Two ways to reestablish joy and strength. Number one, you got to rebuild external strength. When Nehemiah, he spent chapters 1 through 7 explaining that the first thing they did to restore the glory and the joy of Israel was to rebuild the outer walls. I got to get the walls rebuilt because it's going to be the walls that will help me and defend me and protect me from all enemy and harm so I can get the inside right. Now, I, I, I think about Jesus, his most commonly used um, descriptor of Satan was thief. He would constantly call him the thief. And so John 10, 10, he would say, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and where's my basketball at and my Lego house? To destroy. That's why sometimes their sis- my, my daughters want to call their sisters the devil. You destroyed everything I worked on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He don't give a rip about your Lego house. He doesn't care about your strength. He doesn't care about your glory. What he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. And so what do walls do? Come on. Walls weren't meant to restrain you, but to strengthen you. Come on. A city without walls is hardly a city of honor or glory at all. 
Oh, I just wrote, I, I made that one up. That one's a freebie. A city without walls is not a city with glory or honor at all. Praise the Lord. I could say it again twice. <laughs> Write that down so I can tell the second. <laughs> Listen, so how do we keep the thieves out? Walls. You got to put walls up to keep the thief from stealing, killing, and destroying. Three ways to rebuild external strength. Number one, restore proper boundaries. Write this down. Restore proper boundaries. City, um, um, have you ever let your morals slip? Have you ever let your witness slip? You let your language slip. Let your relational boundaries slip. Let your um, content you, you watch slip. My wife and I will frequently go, man, we just finished a series. What can we watch now? And sometimes we'll ask people and they'll recommend something. Have you ever done this before? Well, if they watch it, it's probably fine for me too until you look up the reviews. And I, I don't, we don't watch things anymore until we look up the reviews because we want to make sure that what we put in our heart The Bible says what goes in our heart will come out of our mouths again. We're going to live from there. So I want to protect my heart. i got to have boundaries again. I think about Joseph, who's a different hero in the Bible. Not one we read about today. Joseph was sold into slavery, and he ended up in Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar's wife had it in for Joseph. She thought he was hot. She thought he looked good when he was sweaty. She thought his tractor was sexy. Okay, anyway, I took that too far. And so the Bible says that Potiphar's wife just kept coming on to him and trying to seduce him and trying to to have him. And Genesis 39.10 says she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as as possible do you see his boundaries let's keep it at a minimum with this person you know if someone's got ill intent you know if you're hanging around with the wrong company you know that I need to keep this as a minimum as possible you know professional relationships when they are no longer professional and they've turned into a bit more personal than they should be right I need to restore proper boundaries I need to put up my boundaries and put up a no trespassing sign because Uh, God wants me to have external walls not to restrain me but to return my strength and glory can I get an amen I like how Mark Batterson said before you make an impulse decision make a pre-decision this is as far as this is going to go one of our rules for our church staff some of them might not like it I don't really care but it's imposed that there is no texting of the opposite gender There is no riding in a car of the opposite gender alone. There is no being at work alone with the opposite gender. Yes, we are a shorter amount of staff, which means it gets a little funny, awkward, or complicated when I'm the only one there and one of our females says, I need to use the space. But we decide to embrace the awkward instead of ignoring it and letting boundaries slip because next thing you know, we've gotten way too comfortable in this dynamic. So we have said we will always embrace the awkward and simply say who needs the building more cool I can go to a coffee shop and continue what I'm doing but what I'm not going to do is is change my boundaries amen amen if, if you're a female in here and you text me you're probably going to hear my reply with my wife in it if not it's because I thought it was a one-time mistake but if you do it again I promise you my wife's ending up in that thread the next time we chat because I'm just not going to play around with boundaries how are your boundaries doing 
Number one, return your external strength. The second way to do that is to strengthen your no muscle. Strengthen your no muscle. The last era of Christianity was legalistic at times. Anybody know a legalistic Christian? <laughs> Come on. You, you just people who are like, you can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. And unfortunately, it raised a bunch of people who are like, well, tr- church is all about what I can't do. How about we talk about what I can do? Now, the problem is that we swung the pendulum, in my opinion, a little too far because what used to be legalism has now turned into liberalism. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking personal choices where we start saying that I'm free to drink, cuss, or chew, or hang with anyone who does. Anyone who do. That's how you make it rhyme. But have we forgotten that bad company always corrupts good character? And while, as Paul said, I might be free to do something, while everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying, is what Paul said. And so I wrote it down this way. I have met many Christians who are so focused on their freedom that they've given up their freedom. They've literally become a bond servant to telling you, look how free I am because I can have it every night. I can do it every night. I can watch whatever I want to watch. I can take, consume, drink, text, be with, whatever. And so here's something I've learned. You're free to do it, and I'm, write this down, free not to do it. You're free to do it. I'm free not to do it. And sometimes the freedom not to do it doesn't mean that, oh, well, you're enslaved to that. Sometimes it just means I'm totally free. I can do it or I can not do it. And I find that quite freeing. Because sometimes I feel imprisoned to the culture that if all of y'all are doing it, if all of y'all are using this word, then maybe it's okay. If all of y'all are watching this movie, then maybe it's okay. If all of y'all are drinking to excess, then maybe it's okay. If all of y'all are talking to all kinds of other people who aren't your wife, then maybe it's okay. No, 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 no. You're free to do it. I'm free not to do it. And so I need to strengthen sometimes my no muscle. Honey, we're not going to watch this. No judgment to anybody else. Just as for me and my house. And number three, fight for your faith again. I love 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight for your faith. Encircle your city with faith walls. Fight to let those walls mean something. They'll mean strength, glory, and honor. And let me move on to number two. Two ways to get your glory and strength back. After rebuilding the external walls in Nehemiah 1 through 7, Nehemiah 8, everything we read, they turned their attention to now that the walls are in place, let's speak to the strength on the inside of them by reading the word of God. And so they say, come on, come on, come on, come on. Three ways to rebuild internal strength. Number one, read your Bible. This is not a new point. I understand that. It's not revolutionary, but it will save you. It will restore your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you don't know the Lord very well, then you might not have very much joy or strength when the world comes at you hard. Can I get an amen? I know it's a harder message. I'm not getting as many amens up in here, but you're still with me? The first thing Nehemiah did was say, okay, we got some walls up, now let's preach to them. Why? Why is it so important? That's why it's so important that you, number one, get into your word. For three hours they read the word, okay? And then number two, they prioritized and valued the preached word. How do you rebuild your inner strength? Number two uh, is to do this, to prioritize and value the preached word. I'm not up here trying to replace what you should be doing in your Bible. 
But what I am trying to do is bring revelation and inspiration to what God has already said so that you can have application and let it change your life. Can I get an amen? See, listen, after reading the word for three hours, they then began to preach and break down. Here's what that means. Here's what God's trying to say. Here's how to be close to him. Here's how to honor that word in the day that we live in. And praise God, we, we are surrounded by all kinds of podcasts and things that we can listen to nowadays. Thank you for those who listen to our YouTube videos and our podcasts and you share them because I totally believe that you're helping spread the word of God. But you, come on, can we thank people right now who do that right now? Because there are people here because you shared them and all of a sudden they're getting back to church. But it doesn't have to be our preached word. As long as you find um, um, uh, biblically sound preaching, I love that I run into a lot of you and you're like, I check out this thread along with Live Church. I also listen to this. All I'm saying is don't replace your church with a virtual pastor. Let the preached word speak life to you. Come on, gain from it, but you still need a community to belong to. Amen? And so Romans 10, 17 says that before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to listen to. In other words, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And finally, number three, as the band comes up, third way to rebuild your internal strength is to repent. Repentance needs to be a regular practice of our life. Is there anyone in here who's perfect? Please raise your hand. Every one of us who's not raising their hand, including myself, needs repentance. Repentance is not a one-off thing. It's not a one-time decision that we make. It is a constant walking our lives, living our lives, and realizing went too far there. <laughs> Did too much there. Should have made different decisions here. And when we do that, we need to remember that repentance is one of the first things that comes and it restores my joy. Because if repentance is not a regular practice of your life, you will then take on shame and regret. I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. Why do I fall for that every time? I'm so stupid. I'm worthless. I'm lower than dirt. And that is called condemnation, and our God is not the author of condemnation. But he is the author of conviction, which simply is the nudging and the tapping on our heart that says, I'm still here, and we can make this right. Nehemiah knew this, that God said, no matter how in shambles God's land and people are, to a repentant people, he will rebuild. Jesus made that promise available to you and I still today. So I want you to hear this last bit of scripture. I know it's a bit lengthier, but I kept, it to, uh, kept some time at the end so I could read it because I don't think it says, I don't think any portion of scripture says it so clearly. What, how you get your joy back by getting your purity back. Listen to this, Psalm 32, as I close. Oh, what joy. I wonder if we should say joy every time we see that word out loud. Oh, what For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Man, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. 
Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, I confessed all my sins. I confessed all my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. That they might not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Sounds like joy to me. Verse 11. So rejoice. That means re-find your joy. Rejoice how in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. How do I choose joy? I choose to get my purity back. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my swag. The joy of the Lord is my confidence. The joy of the Lord is the lifting of my head no matter how hard the times come. The joy of the Lord is my sustenance. The joy of the Lord is my identity. The joy of the Lord sustains me no matter what circumstance I go through. The joy of the Lord is something I am not willing to part with over some issue of purity. I will repent and find my joy again. All shame is gone sin no more Jesus Christ has paid the price for me I am forever his can I get an amen let's bow our heads and pray there are some here who are not quite right with God and you want to have joy when it comes to the holiness or righteousness, but you've got a sinking feeling in your gut, a lot like I did in 2002 when I realized I'm not positive if I'm right with God. I've done good things, but I don't know if my good things have been good enough to overcome the sin that I've done. And I know I've done dumb things. I call sin doing stupid, and I did a lot of stupid. I got things on my record, but the Bible says this, that if we confess our sins, to God. He is faithful to wash our sins away and to wipe our slates completely clean that there will be no more sin. There will be no more shame. There will be no more dishonor. There will be no more broken down walls for the God who has given his son Jesus Christ will begin to rebuild what was once destroyed by sin. If you're in this place and you know that's you know that's you, and you know that right now God's talking to you. Whether it's the first time or you know it's time to come back. Even if you're online, no one's looking around, no one's calling you out. No one will embarrass you, but I'm asking you right now not to be embarrassed by God. By simply throwing your hands up in the air in just a minute towards heaven by saying, God, that's me. I want to give you my life. Three, two, one. If that's you, come on, just real quickly throw your hand in the air and you can put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Even people online, if you made that decision, write in the chat, that's me. Come on, and we want to connect with you because you're making the best decision of your life. Because we can't put the walls back together. We can try, but we fail and fail again. But who can? Is God, the author and creator of our life, who wants to restore the glory, the honor, 
the joy that comes with having strong walls and a strong God inside you. Amen? Come on. All of the church is going to pray along with you if you raised your hand. Or even if you knew I was supposed to and you didn't, come on, pray this out and, and, and receive forgiveness today as we repent out loud together. And we say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I've done some stupid things. I've made mistakes. But I'm giving my life to you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin so that I can be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness right now. And I give you my life in exchange. Come live inside of me. I am a brand new person. The old is gone. The new has come. And I thank you for a new beginning with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on and celebrate.